Welcome to White Plains Baptist Church. My name is Gary, and I joyfully serve as the senior pastor here. And uh, I want to say a special welcome to our guests. If you're new to us this morning, you are an answer to prayer. I've been praying for you and your families this week. I've been praying that God is at work in your life, and, and I'm so thankful that you've joined us here in worship. Uh, as our guests, I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Thank you again for being our guests uh, this morning. Kids, it's always good to see you here at church. I've got another box back here. I want to go through some stuff with you to get ready for Saturday. I, uh, I'm excited about the, the uh, well, Brian's got me rethinking the title of everything now, the, the Community Fall Fest. Yeah. This Saturday from 2 to 5, we'll be out in the backyard. We'll have booths set up, um, lots of fun, tons of candy. Thank you guys for the amount of candy that's back behind our welcome desk you guys have brought in. Thank you so much for that. But uh, I've got a few things I want to show you. You know, we got this putt-putt pile of pastor I've been a little worried about because I got the, the thing set up this week, and, and Cooper walks into my office, takes the putter, and then sinks one. And that's the deal. If you sink a putt, first try, you get to pie the pastor on Saturday. So I've had to doctor the putter a little bit. So this is the size of putter that all adults can use. It's very kid-friendly, but uh, it, it, does, it does get bigger. But, but this is one of the things that's going to be fun. We've got some, some cans that you'll be able to knock over with a, a beanbag, and they got numbers on the back. And... That's how many pieces of candy you can get. So you knock over an eight can. That's a lot of candy, just one can, but you add them all up. Kids are going to have a ton of candy as they leave this place, mostly because of these guys. But then um, I want to say thank you to Ramble Creek Farms. They've donated some, some little pumpkin guys here that make perfect uh, little pieces for um, tic-tac-toe. Our, our kids' ministry on Wednesday is going to be doing some pumpkin painting I'm going to ask them if they can paint some circles or some X's on these to make some tic-tac-toe uh, boards or pieces there. And I've mentioned Bozo, the clown, and I don't know if you remember him, uh, adults, but he had these buckets lined up, the grand prize game, I think it was called, and he threw a ping-pong ball, so we've got that, and each bucket will have an amount of candy associated with it, so lots of can uh, candy there. And then... Did I show you these last week? I can't remember. I get so excited about what I'm showing you, and it's hard for me to remember what all I show. But this, this looks like a ring, and it is. Um, it fits perfect, according to my trial, around a two-liter of, of soda. We call it Coke here in the South. Up in North, they call it Pop. Uh, they're wrong. We're right. But it could be. We'll have all different types of Coke that you could put this on. Uh, that you can ring. So if you if you ring the bottle, then you get the bottle. If you miss the bottle, then you get candy. So I mean, how how much fun could it be to be walking around holding a two liter um, and a big bag, <laughs> a big bag of candy? Then then these guys I found these. These are little little ducks dressed up in Halloween or fall type things, and they're going to have a little number on the bottom. You just pick it up and get a however many, and so there'll be lots of. Lots of ducks to be to got. So a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff. It's going to be a blast on this Saturday. We'll start at uh, 2. Uh, if you want to come and help set up, uh, that, that'll be at noon. But it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see uh, 
how many folks God brings to our campus just to have fun and enjoy, and they'll all be invited to church the next Sunday, and we'll try to, try to show some hospitality and let people know that God knows them and God loves them, and we do too, and, and I've already had some good conversations on, on Facebook based upon some of the Facebook posts that we've put out to advertise for this. So kids, I hope you can invite your friends and your cousins, maybe some neighbors. It should be a good time. So, so kids, it's good, good that you're here. We'll go ahead and dismiss you up to Kids Church. Kids Church is for children in grades kindergarten through fifth grade. And parents and grandparents will be able to pick them up in the lobby after our service is over. This morning, we're going to be continuing in our series on 1 Timothy. And I'm titling it, Gospel-Centered Godliness, Being the Church in the Community. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 5 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 16. And as we study through this letter, I'm trying to keep our focus on its call to godliness. The call to godliness is throughout the letter. It's mentioned at least 10 times uh, it's a reoccurring theme here in 1 Timothy, and we're seeing that this call to godliness is for Timothy, for church pastors, and for church members. It's for the sake of the gospel. It's for the sake to proclaim the gospel. God calling us to live godly lives for the sake of proclaiming the gospel. It's a call for the church and its leadership to live and worship in a way that proclaims the gospel to the church, that is, each other, and also to the community around us. And it's important to note, and I've said this each week, that this call to godliness is always a response to our salvation. It's never a cause of our salvation. We cannot work our way to God. We cannot earn our way to God. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved to do good works, to live godly lives, and to share the faith that we have with others. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them First learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, 
and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, and manage their households, and give the, the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let's pray in response to what we just read. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your call to godliness here in this passage. These instructions for the church help us to look at them, to understand them, and live them and be obedient to your word. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're looking at Paul's instructions to Timothy on how to lead the church to love and care for each other like a gospel-centered family. Now this is a really good picture of how the church should behave, or how the church should be the church, to love and care for each other like a gospel-centered family. This is one of the visible and tangible benefits of becoming a member of a church, to be loved and cared for by others. You cannot get that online. You cannot get that reading Christian books. You cannot get that listening to Christian podcasts. And you cannot get that only watching church services online. Absolutely, Christian books, podcasts, and online services every now and again are helpful and beneficial. But if that's the whole of one's interaction with God and the church, then that one is missing so much of what God has for them. A book cannot care for you. A podcast cannot bring you a meal in time of need. An online church service from a building hundreds of miles away will not come and visit you in the hospital. The local church, with her members and her deacons, will lovingly and joyfully care, feed, and visit you. It's built into the nature of who we are as a church. If you have friends or family who claim Christ, but from a distance from a local church, invite them to join us here if they live close to here. Invite them to join us in person if they don't live near here, still encourage them to join a local church where they do live. In fact, help them find a church locally to help them. I'll be happy to help if needed. But I'm making such a big deal about being part or being member of a local church because much of what the Bible is instructing Christians, especially here in 1 Timothy, can't be done by the person who's only following Jesus through books, podcasts, and online sermons. Not only can they not be cared for, but they cannot care for others. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. I'm sure you've noticed the world is marred 
by pain, strife, and sin. You've probably noticed that the world's brokenness finds its way into the church from time to time because none of us are perfect. People in the church cause pain. They cause hurt. People in the church sometimes say the wrong things. Or they do something that the Bible says they shouldn't do. The church is not perfect. Church people are not perfect. How does the world outside these walls deal with others who cause pain, strife, and sin? We have cancel, cancel culture. We have shouting, pushing, fighting, intimidation, lawsuits, ultimately murder and wars. We see abuse when people hurt other people outside these walls. How does the church deal with others who cause them pain inside the church? Hopefully different than the world does, but sometimes not so much. Paul is giving the instructions here to treat members of the church like family. Treat members of the church like family. Paul mentions to rebuke. To rebuke means to express disapproval or to criticize about a behavior in someone else. Paul is telling, telling Timothy, in the church, don't rebuke, but encourage each other to correct sinful behavior. When something goes wrong, when sin presents itself, treat each other like family. Now, I realize that this may not be the best advice for some of us who have dysfunctional family relationships, but these instructions assume a knowledge of how the biblical family and the church interacts with each other. Paul, he also wrote 1 Corinthians 13. This is a beautiful passage to help us understand how the church and the family should interact with each other with love. 1 Corinthians 13 Verses 4 through 13 says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. As for prophecies, they, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. When you watch the news, 
and you hear about the sin and strife around the world, much of it seems childish, doesn't it? When you see the news and you see people interact with each other and the drama that unfolds, much of it seems childish. Responding to sin like a child is not the way the church should interact with each other. Children act a certain way because they don't know any better. They are enslaved to their emotions and they've not learned how to cope or express themselves. Ideally, children grow up, don't they? Ideally, new Christians mature and grow up as they read the Bible and sit under biblical expository preaching. When maturity happens, our responses to sin change from being childlike to adult-like and demonstrating biblical love, patience, kindness, humility, selflessness, peaceable, rejoicing with truth and not in wrongdoing. Love bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. Love never ends. Paul finishes this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 with this. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love another Christian by encouraging them instead of rebuking them. Loving another Christian is the greatest way to confront sin in the church. It's the gospel. It's different than the world outside these walls. This is how we treat each other like gospel-centered family, with love, wanting the best for each other. Let's continue to Paul's larger section of how to care for those who have no family that are in the church. The care for widows gave birth to the ministry of the deacon office in the early church, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. The proper care for those who have no family has almost always been part of the church's ministry. Let's look at Acts chapter 6. This is verses 1 through 4. Now in these days when the disciples were in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The care of widows is important gospel ministry for the church. It has its foundation in the Old Testament. God makes a promise to Joshua right after the death of Moses. This promise is quoted by the writer of Hebrews who says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Hebrews 13.5. Now, not all Old Testament promises carry over to us as Christians. This one does, though, because it was repeated in the New Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. To say it in a more understandable way, God promises never to leave or abandon you helplessly. God promises to never leave or abandon you helplessly. Many people, as we age, feel alone. We feel abandoned and helpless. 
This is magnified when you've outlived your spouse. God sees us in our older years, and God has compassion for those of us who are feeling alone, abandoned, and helpless. He cares for you. He cares for the widow. This is part of the gospel-centered ministry of the church, to care for those as they age and as they become widows. What happens as a result of the rightful and compassionate care for all widows in Acts? Let's look at verse 7 of chapter 6. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The gospel moves forward. It multiplies when the church mobilized to meet the needs of the widow. Paul gives Timothy two ways the church cares for widows. Let's first look at uh, 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 8. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The church is to care for her widows, for those who are truly without family. And I would go ahead and humbly add those whose families have abandoned them. The church should know care for, and support those in their congregations who are truly widows. Now, the other way the church cares for widows is through the biological family. That is, if you have a parent or a grandparent who has lost their spouse, you are biblically instructed to provide care for those family members. And this could also probably be extended to aunts and uncles and cousins. Let's look at the next couple of verses in 1 Timothy 5. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has the feet of the saints, has cared for every word, here to enroll widows into the church's widow ministry. The widow ministry has at least two components. A church's widow ministry includes care and purpose. A church's widow ministry includes care and purpose. A church cares for the widow by honoring them and meeting needs they may have, and it gives them purpose by inviting them and including them into the ministry efforts of the church. Widows who are cared for and have purpose are strengthened to serve God and the church in many ways. Some of those include hospitality and care for others. Throughout church history, the church has been strengthened by the ministry work of widows. In many ways, that has been the backbone of many churches throughout history. 
is through the work and ministry of widows in the church. Paul continues to address younger widows in 1 Timothy 5, 11 through 15. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but gossips, busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. Younger widows are encouraged to pursue remarriage if they desire it. This is not to keep them from serving in church ministry. Widows of all ages, just like all of us in church, should be invited to serve in ministry. But Paul helps Timothy to understand that younger widows will have different temptations. And to not sin from those temptations, remarriage, family bearing, and household managing are encouraged. Verse 15 seems a little odd. It might have stuck itself out to you as we read through it. So let's look at it a little bit closer. It says, for some have already strayed after Satan. This is meaning the younger widows. Paul is telling Timothy something Timothy probably already knew. Younger widows in the church have left the church to follow their lovers and new husbands, God, or his lack of faith. This was somewhat common and typical at this time. So you can see why churches should be interested in creating opportunities for single Christians of all ages to get to know each other in the hopes of protecting the faith of those who look to marry or to remarry. Let's continue with the last verse in our passage. First Timothy 5.16 says, If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Now, this is a summary of what all we've talked about so far this morning, but let's drill down a little bit and look, look again at verse 8. We didn't spend any time a moment ago. Verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Our faith in God is lived out in the way we care for each other especially members of our family. This is something that's rooted in our very nature as humans. You've heard the phrase, family takes care of family. You might even say that in your families. And that's a good saying to say, family takes care of family. It's not just an idea. Believers hold to this truth. It's embedded into our very nature. Paul says that if a Christian does not provide for his family. He is denying the faith, he proclaims, and he's worse than those who don't believe and still hold to the idea that family takes care of family. Why would Paul say this? It has everything to do with the gospel. What it means to be saved and to follow after God. The gospel isn't just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It is much more... It is a calling of denying yourself and letting God rule over every aspect of your life. If someone doesn't care for their family, they are denying the reign of God in their lives because God makes that promise 
to us that I mentioned earlier in Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God uses the family and the church in part to fulfill that promise. God uses you in part to fulfill that promise in your family. You are not alone. You may be going through some tough family stuff right now. You may be feeling pulled in every direction. God sees you. God knows what you're going through. He cares. He has given you this church, these people around you, to be there to help. We aren't meant to follow God alone. We aren't meant to carry these burdens by ourselves. If you need help, these people in this room, within this church, have a responsibility to you. And they have a desire to help. Care for each other starts in the home. But it doesn't end there. Especially if you don't have anyone at home or near you. Let us know. The church is a gospel-centered family. And family takes care of family. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Throughout this series, I have brought our attention to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Without Jesus, you'll die. Not just this earthly death, but a spiritual death. We all die in this life, but without Jesus, you'll be separated from all that is good and loving, and that's for a future forever. This is the death that sin brings, separation from God and goodness. But God gives you grace in the free gift of Jesus. In Jesus, you have life even after death. Life everlasting awaits those who follow Jesus and make him the Lord and center of their lives. Will you follow Jesus? today? Will you submit to his authority over your life? Now we're going to sing in just a moment a song of invitation. If you talk more about what it means to follow Jesus, this time is for you. You can come down forward and pray, or you can speak with me, or you could pray in your seat. Are you following Jesus? Does your life look like it? You also may be burdened with the weight of family care right now. And maybe you just need to release that control back to God and trust Him to strengthen you through that. You can pray for that as well. Would you stand as we pray? God, you are good to us. Thank you for caring for us and seeing us in our loneliness, in our weakness. Lord, thank you for providing a local church to help carry the load, to be there for one another. Strengthen us to be that for each other. Help us to be a gospel-centered family. Lord, strengthen us to take care of ourselves. With your help, would you work through us? Jesus' name we pray.